Good morning. morning. Welcome to FCF. Again, my name is Pete. I have the incredible privilege of serving here as the associate pastor. If you're with us for the first time this morning, we want to thank you for being here. We're so grateful that you've chosen to spend your Sunday with us following service. Myself and my wife, Jessica, will be in an area at the back of our auditorium called Geth Central. We'd love to shake your hand and answer any questions that you have about the church. Can we let our guests know how much we appreciate them joining us today for service? The video that you just watched is is the bumper for the series that was supposed to start today. And you may be wondering, where is Pastor Randy? Uh, On Friday, I got a call from Pastor Randy that he had tested positive for COVID. So um, I I spoke to him yesterday. He's he's doing fine. He's got this Louis Armstrong thing going on with his voice. Uh, But most importantly, he is very sad that he wasn't here to start this series, but he's going to start it next week. So, um, but can you give me a wide angle real quick? Can you let, give me house lights too, if you don't mind. Can you let Pastor Randy know how much you love him? We love you, boss. Get better soon. A lot of people here. That's awesome. That was cool. That's a cool shot. I like that shot. That's awesome. So after that conversation ended, I began to think about what are our options for Sunday? What do we do? And had a couple of things in mind. We've done different things in the past. And as I'm having this internal conversation, um, it's not, I don't want to mislead you. I don't hear the audible voice of God, but I feel like God says, Pete, I want you to speak on Sunday. And I'm, I'm thinking this inside of my head, and so out of my mouth comes, that's a terrible idea. And I go back to, to trying to look at options and things on my computer, a guest speaker, some videos shown in the past, and I felt like God said again, I, I want you to speak on Sunday. And again, out loud, I said, no. Be honest. Anyone else in here ever argue with God? Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Yeah, this was one of those moments. And I find it challenging to win an argument with Jessica, significantly harder harder to win an argument with God. And in this moment, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not even sure I can get slides done in time for Sunday, let alone write and be prepared to speak. And as soon as that crossed my mind, God puts a passage in my heart. I'm like, man, that's... It seems very timely, and I do. I believe it's for this very moment. I I have never prepared like this in my life and be completely transparent with you. Maybe you thought I had this one in the hopper. I haven't taught on this passage in over 20 years when I was in Bible college. But I, when I got to that point and began preparing and texted one of our staff members, I'm like, yeah, you should do it. I felt like almost immediately God was saying, Pete, I want to say something specific to FCF Church. And even though... I was caught off guard, Pastor Randy was caught off guard, God was not caught off guard, amen? So I began to pray and I feel like this morning, God wants to speak to us about a specific topic and in this very moment, if you're within the sound of my voice, he wants to speak to you. Whether you're in this room, watching online or watching in syndication, God wants to speak to your heart this morning and either God has a a specific word for you this morning Or Pastor Randy is playing sick so that I get more practice. Either way, I'm going to be the one speaking this morning. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention two very important people that helped uh, this to take place. Um, There's a lot of technology that goes on behind the scenes for this service to take place. And we had all of that technology in place on 
Friday or Thursday when we all left the office. And two individuals, one of which is new on staff with us, Miss Faith Greathouse, Faith was getting ready to start her growth group and left, drove from Pennsylvania here to church to spend several hours to work on the slides. Can you tell Faith how much you love and appreciate her? And then uh, a close friend of mine who helps almost every time I speak with with my slides, um, he was here until 10 o'clock last night working with me. His name is Joshua. Don't call him Josh. He gets mad when you call him Josh. Joshua is his name. And uh, can you let Joshua know how much you love and appreciate him? He's a good egg. A little cracked, but a good egg. Let's look at our passage this morning. Turn with me. Matthew 14, 22. Is it okay if I pray this morning? Is that all right? Heavenly Father, right now, God, we just pray that you would add your blessing to your word. God, we don't want to just go through the motions, and we certainly don't just want to read passages, but we want to hear your heart. We want to hear from your word this morning. So I pray that these words would come alive as we look at them. God, that we would see these are real people, God, that walked this earth, and you're going to use those stories to change us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Matthew 14, starting at verse 22. This is uh, immediately following the feeding of the 5,000. I'll give you more context here in a second, but let's start there. Verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. Verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Then the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Another translation says they hit a contrary wind. Ever been going through life and you hit a contrary wind? It was against it. 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And cried out in, what's the word? Fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Love Peter. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. One word. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But... When he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, I want to look at this passage from a different perspective than you've probably done before. Peter was headstrong. He talked too much. He got himself in trouble. I mean, if you study the life of Peter... I mean, there's no other way to say it. Peter, Peter loved Jesus, but he had a little bit of crazy in him. You know what I'm saying? How many of you know somebody? They love the Lord, but they'll go, they'll go hood on you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Peter has an incredible record that I, I, I believe only one character in the Bible I have ever seen have this record. He was rebuked by all three persons of the Godhead. He was rebuked by the Father on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was rebuked by the Holy Spirit in Acts 6. six, And well, Jesus, he was pretty much always rebuking Peter. He was constantly in trouble. There was one story about Peter where all of a sudden there 
In the Garden of Gethsemane, in the center of God's will, the, the Roman guards show up to arrest Jesus, and Peter snaps, pulls his sword, and chops off a guard's ear. Now, I don't think he was aiming for the ear, if I'm honest. Seems like an odd target. Peter had a list of debilitating failures, but he never let it stop him. And I've always heard this passage preached that Peter did this wrong, and Peter did that wrong, and he took his, you just got to keep your eyes on Jesus. He took his eyes off Jesus. And I just, I hate that we always look at people through the lens of their failures. Ever notice anytime you see a picture of this story, what's Peter always doing? Sinking. There's a new, a new picture now where he's reaching up out of the water. But we're not going to look at it from that perspective this morning. Here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at three things that Peter did right. The context of this story is that Jesus has just finished feeding the 5,000. One of the most incredible miracles in Scripture. And the disciples are juiced up. Can you imagine what this is like? I mean, they are cloud nine. They are so excited. And the crowd is blown away, right? I picture the disciples like signing autographs. Like it's James, J-A-M-E-S. He's like, I'm going to write a book. It'll be on Amazon. Peter's like, I'm going to write two books. They're so pumped. They're like, we, lo we love you, Bethsaida. Woo! Like, we're going on the road. And what's it say? <laughs> Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. The crowd hasn't even left yet. He makes them get in the boat. This word in the, I think it's New King James, is compelled. And in KJV, is constrained them to the boat. They want to stay there in this moment forever. But God puts them on a boat and sends them straight into a storm. Straight into a contrary wind. And that's where we pick up. Look here, verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. Phantasma is the Greek word. It's where we get the word phantom from. They said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. This word if here could be translated that or since. This wasn't actually a question. He knew it was Jesus. He knew it was Jesus because he asked him for a miracle. He knew it was Jesus. How did he know? Well, this is the first thing that Peter did right. What did he do? He recognized the voice of God. He recognized God's voice. In all of the accounts of this story, there's only one person in the boat that speaks. And I picture this all playing out, and I see the rest of the disciples terrified and running to the back of the boat. And I see Peter like, what you, what you doing, Jesus? He knew God's voice because he, because he was in relationship with him. He spent time with him. Peter had his problems, but his ear was tuned to the voice of Jesus. 
Matthew 10, 27 says it this way. What I tell you in the dark, this is Jesus speaking, speak in the daylight what I whisper. What's the word? In your ear. Proclaim it from the roofs. Are you close enough to God that you can hear him whisper? Could you recognize God's voice in the middle of a storm? Because Peter did. We live in a world that is constantly creating noise. We live in a world that is so loud. Can you still hear God's voice in the middle of it? Maybe you're new to faith and you're thinking, like, Pete, this is, like, this. It sounds super spiritual. Hear God's voice. Recognize his voice. Of course Peter knew his voice. Do you know why? Well, because he lived with him. He fished with him. He ate with him. He spent time with him. Pastor Pete, how am I supposed to hear God's voice? That was 2,000 years ago. I, I would love to hear God's voice, but I just, I don't know how I would be able to hear God's voice. If only there was a way. That I could hear the voice of God in the middle of my storm. The voice of God can be, what's the word? Heard, speaking through the pages of the Bible. The voice of God can be heard, speaking through the pages of the Bible. And I can tell you that when I have found myself in the middle of a storm, comfort is found in that book. And some of you can relate to this because you've gone through a challenging point in your life where you felt like your entire world was collapsing in on you and you got one verse or one word from God that brought comfort and brought peace. But I do, I mean, I, I wondered in my head how Peter had the faith to take this step spiritually. And this is what I landed on. I don't think that Peter viewed it as standing on the water. He viewed it as standing on God's word, standing on the very word that God had given him. Come. The word is his voice, and his voice is enough. His word is where we build our life. It's a firm foundation. Several months ago, after preaching, I was, I was in the guest central room meeting families as they were coming through that are new to the church. We really would love to meet you guests if you're here this morning. And a couple came through. They were towards the end. And the best way to describe it is to say that they disagreed with our church's view on Christian sexuality. And, and it was, it was a... a, a cordial conversation, yet direct, and I shared that we, we teach what we believe is God's will, and she looked at me, and she said, well, it just feels right to me, and I said, we don't build our theology on feelings, and she says, well, well what do you build your theology on? And from where I was standing, I could see the blue spine of the NIV Bible that's in almost every chair in this room. And I pointed right at it and I said, that book, that book is the standard by which we live and the content by which we teach. And it is the rock that Pastor Randy and God have built this church on. And 
And our, our safety officer's like, <laughs> trying to pretend he wasn't paying attention. I know you were paying attention. <laughs> and she goes, oh, you guys are one of those churches. And I was like, yes, ma'am, we are. <laughs> the word has to be our rock. And I know in this room, you know what we believe. But if you're watching online, and, and, and you attend or watch a church where the Bible is not the standard. I, I don't say this to be offensive. I say it to be kind and direct, but, but I have a responsibility to tell you this. If, if you're not attending a church where the Bible is the standard, you're not a part of a church. Someone is fabricating your theology. And I'm sorry, but that's a cult. It's not a church. This book has got to be the standard by which we live and the content by which we teach. What did Peter do right? He recognized God's voice. It's the second thing. Matthew 14, 28 says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus gives him one word. Again, one word can bring you peace. One word. He says, what is it? Come on, everybody. Wait, what's he say? Come. Peter recognized God's voice. The second thing, he responded to God's instruction. One word, come. And Peter was obedient. Christians, God, give me a sign. Tell me what to do. He's like, you're killing me, Petey. Read my word. What should I do? I, I'll be honest. Something else that is a bit frustrating. Can I be honest? Is that okay? Probably shouldn't tell you this, but one of the things that frustrates me when people come to me and they're like, you know, I just really want to know what God's will is for my life. And I always, always like, are, are you being obedient to the things that he's already told you to do? Because you want that step. And he's saying, take this step. But I, I want to know what's over there. Be obedient to what he has already told you to do. H how many enjoyed baptism service last week? <laughs> I, I can tell you that, that personally, that was, uh, I, I was an honor to be a part of that service. It was, it was phenomenal. Um, if you don't know, we baptized 73 people. We were baptizing people for over an hour. We, we ran out of, we had shirts and shorts and towels, and we ran out of all of it. We were pulling stuff from our bookstore. Someone left wearing my clothing, which I would like back. It's Under Armour, please. I'm not joking. Shorts and a pair of boxers. Specifically, I was very wet. Okay, so at that service, uh, something else super cool that happened was Pastor Randy was baptizing someone. I've never seen this happen in my life. And as he baptized them, somehow the person flipped over and kicked him in the back of the head. And he spun around like, go back and watch the service. It will so bless your spirit. Watch the baptism portion of it. The message was okay, but the baptism part was fantastic. But something really interesting happens during almost every baptism service that I've always been a part of. Now, we don't force people to get baptized. You know this. We, we encourage it. We teach it. It's what Scripture suggests is the first open step of a Christ follower. We don't force anybody to do it. But something strange happens. 
When people come up, they get in the water, one or two people, every single time, we tell them, cross your arms, grab your nose, and we're going to full immersion, bring you back up. Right about the time the back of their head hits the water, their core locks. Now, I have all kinds of theories on why this is. Like, I, I have, I think part of it is like self-preservation. It's a, it's a loss of control. Uh, it's a lack of trust maybe in the person that's baptizing them, which is fair if I'm the one, because I might hold them down there for a while or something, you know. But if you are the baptizer and you find yourself in this decision, uh, with this decision, you have to make a choice. And, and for me, I have one job. It's get you under the water. So if you lock that core up, <laughs> I had to do it twice. <laughs> you lock that core up, I'm gonna go Zach Davis, like battle royale. I'm gonna go, yeah! I'm gonna get you <laughs> under the water. I'll, I'll do you like Ivan Draga and you lock your core like you lock this thing up I'll, I'll Ivan Draga in Rocky I must break you I will get you under the water I tell you that story because I think we do the same thing spiritually right about the right about the point that we start losing control we go into self-preservation. God, what about me? What about me? What about me? God, can I do this my way? Or what's most common, we just don't trust him. Because if we trust, we would follow, right? And obedience is the mark of a Christ follower who follows because they trust. And trust is demonstrated by obedience. And obedience is the mark of a Christ follower. And round and round we go. That's what it means to be a Christian. I never want you to forget this verse. Hebrews 5.9 says, He, Christ, became the source of eternal salvation for all who... Come on, you can do better than that. The source of eternal salvation for all who... There isn't saving faith that doesn't lead to obedience. It will always direct us to obedience. Now, when you first start learning to walk with God, when you first start this process, he calls us to take simple steps of obedience. Every single person. Again, don't look for the next step. Take the step he's put in front of you. And that step is normally a step of obedience. But as we mature, he calls us to take steps of faith. So Sometimes... He's going to call you to get out of the boat. He's going to call you to get out of your comfort zone and take a step of faith. The, the mission of FCF Church, most of you know it, is that we exist to help people find their full redemptive potential in Christ. We exist to help people achieve their full redemptive potential in Christ. But do you know why some people don't reach their full redemptive potential? Because they never get out of the boat. They never take that step of faith. I'll say it this way. A wet Pete is better than a dry disciple. A wet Pete is better than a dry disciple. They were probably all making fun of him in the boat. Oh, Peter drowned. Peter, oh, look, he's sinking. But none of them get out of the boat. They were all sitting there. And I kind of imagine, like Peter... Like, it, it says, 
in, in the passage, it doesn't say that they walked directly back to the boat. So I picture after, after Jesus helps him back up, I just see Peter, hey, can we just take a lap, like you and me together? Go. How did we develop such a safe theology from such a dangerous faith? We live as if our goal is to arrive safely at death. Say it this way. Living outside God's will is dangerous. But taking steps of faith within God's will, that makes you dangerous. Like you take a step of faith where you say, you know what? I feel like God is calling me to plant FCF Church. And that's a dangerous step that scares the devil, shakes the gates of hell. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a business and with the resource that God gives me, I am going to fund the kingdom of God so the gospel can go as far as it possibly can in these last days. I'm going to use my business so that everyone who comes in contact with me knows that I'm a Christ follower. That makes you dangerous. What did he do? He recognized God's voice. And he responded to God's instruction. Verse 29. Says then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Have you ever made a decision in a point of fear that you look back at and you say, What was I thinking? Or, or you, you say something in a moment of fear and you're like, that wasn't true at all. Fear will make you do crazy things. Listen to what Peter actually says. He says, you know what? It's a little windy to walk on water today. His fear took over. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. But look what he did right. Beginning to sink. This is the frustration with this new picture that you see where he's underwater, like bubbles coming up and he's reaching. It doesn't say that. It says beginning to sink. He cries out. So what did he do? He recognized God's voice. He responded to God's instruction and he reached for God's help. He reached for God's hand. I love that he doesn't swim for the boat. He reaches for Jesus. He knew the boat wasn't his solution. And there may be a point when you need a long prayer. I don't think so. I think scripture speaks against long prayers. Sometimes in prayer, we're more reminding ourselves of something than telling God who already knows it, if we're honest. But this wasn't a point for long prayers. Oh, dear heavenly Father, I beseech thee now in light of the circumstances whilst I am in. Thou art faithful in the storm. Christ is my firm foundation. Nope. Three words. Lord, save me. Beginning to sink, he cries for help. Jesus reaches out his hand and grabs him. Immediately, reaches out his hand and grabs him. And I just love this picture of Christ reaching down into whatever your circumstances and just pulling you back out. 
Like the point at which you realize, man, I missed it. He says, I'm, I'm here. And I, I just, you're never beyond the grasp of your heavenly father. He's right there a few words away. All you have to do is cry out to him. And maybe you'd say, Peter, man, I'm a mess. Like there's nothing about me that God wants anything to do with. And you're dead wrong. He loves you and sent his son to a cross to demonstrate his love for you. When you were far from him, scripture says, he sent his son. He loves you. And even if you've made mistakes, come on, it's a simple phrase. Failure isn't final. Failure isn't final. Verse 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, initially, I thought in reading this passage, I think most of us did, that Peter doubts Jesus. But Jesus wasn't sinking. He's not doubting Jesus. He's doubting himself. He's doubting that he's good enough or that God could use him. But he's like, man, I, we've all had these moments, haven't we? We're like, man, I'm not good enough. I, I, I'm a failure. I've messed up. I'm, I'm going to get on a stage in front of my entire church and humiliate myself with a message. Hypothetically, of course. But you are enough. He made you enough. And he's going to equip you to do what he's called you to do. And if he says to take a step of faith, take the step of faith. But maybe you're not questioning yourself. Maybe you are the person in this room and you are questioning God. You're questioning if he's real. And listen, FCF, I, I feel so blessed to be at a church that is uniquely equipped to serve people who have questions. Don't you love how our lead pastor addresses questions? Tell Pastor Randy how much you love that he addresses questions, church. Come on. Every Thursday. Keep asking questions because the questions will only lead you to him. They'll only lead you to him. He recognized God's voice. He responded to God's instruction and he reached for God's help. He reached for God's hand. I don't deliberately like to destroy people's theology, but the opportunity presents itself. There's a theology that says, just commit your life to Jesus and everything will be great. Just, just give yourself to God and you'll, you'll be running through meadows and birds will be flying, butterflies will land on your shoulder. You'll just hold hands with Jesus and spin. <laughs> You can try to cherry pick some verses and make it say that, but that's not what the full counsel of Scripture says. It says, in this world you will face, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. Jesus puts them on a boat. They're in the center of God's will, and he sends them straight into a storm. So, maybe you find yourself in a storm this morning. You're like, I mean, I just, Pete, you have no idea. I, I'm, I'm, 
I got a brave face on, but, uh, but I'm dying on the inside. I feel like everything is collapsing in on me. God told me to tell you this. He told me to tell you, do what Peter did. Recognize my voice. Listen for my voice. And you can hear it in my word. Respond to my instructions. Sometimes I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith, but most of the time I just need you to take a step of obedience. Do what I've called you to do. And then if you're struggling, you need to reach out for help. I mean, you, you can reach to God and you can pray and that's great, but there's a body of Christ. That's what this is. This is a body. And Pastor Chris in Care Ministries and her team, they are incredible. They would love to meet with you, help you, counsel you, help you navigate this. I think, I think there's people that never recovered from COVID emotionally. Some, some popped right out of it like it was nothing. But some of you, you're still carrying fear and pain and hurt and anxiety that is paralyzing you. And at this point, you're, you don't want to reach out for help. You don't want to even tell anybody. And that's, ex, that's ex, and I don't want to over-spiritualize everything, but that's exactly what the devil wants to do. He wants you isolated and alone, and you'll just spiral. But reach out for help. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'm going to close with this. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to share a thought. We're going to sing a song, and then... Go eat some Burger King, maybe. I don't know. It's terrible for you. Don't eat that. The way, the, the way we learn, my, my wife teaches our kids. We're, we're in the, the Grace and Glory Homeschool Co-op. Anybody here in the Grace and Glory group? Yeah, all right. So what they do is they teach the kids, and then the kids take a test. In normal school, that's what they do. I mean, you, you teach the kids and then they take a test. But the challenging thing about life is sometimes the lesson is in the test. And some of you right now find yourself in the middle of a storm and God's saying, I want to teach you something. I, I want to teach you to recognize my voice, to respond to my instruction, and to reach for my help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we are so grateful that you did give us your word. You gave us such power and truth. God, it is a rock that will never fail us, a foundation that will sustain through all time. And God, when we come to you, we are grateful that you meet us right where we are. God, I pray for those that are still asking these questions. They are questioning. And God, that in their questions, you would continue to make yourself real to them. We thank you, Father, for your truth. It's a firm foundation. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen.